Welcome back to the Rockcast, everybody. Jordan Budd here, your host. We are brought to you by Onyx Hunt Maps. And today we have a special, I would call it a, a very interesting episode for everybody. Um, actually, who we talked with asked to remain anonymous uh, as far as posting and things like that due to the nature of the the story and unfoldings and things that are still underway with what happened. So uh, I'm going to turn it over to, to him and he's going to tell the story about Grizzly Bear Country and the encounter that he had. And uh, he just wanted to come on and let everybody, you know, share the story and hopefully spread some awareness about how, you know, prepared you need to be in Grizzly Country and what could happen. So I'm going to kick that right off. Um, would like to thank our sponsor Onyx Hunt Maps for sponsoring the podcast. You can use code ROCKCAST at checkout for 20% off. And yeah, start digging into your maps. Season's underway. We're about to roll into all the rifle seasons. So I've been using my Onyx a lot to uh, narrow down areas and, and things like that for a hunt we have coming up. So Rockcast checkout, 20% off, and I'll turn it over to the podcast. All right, man. Well, I think we should just dive right into the story. Uh, first, can you give it like a little bit of your background if you've been in Grizzly Country before or not, and like what you did to prepare to to come into the, I guess, hunting in Grizzly uh, areas? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I you know I knew applying for the tag, I was gonna you know have a chance to be in Grizzly Country, so I started kind of poking around, but this was going to be my first time hunting in any type of grizzly country. So I, I didn't have any other experience being around grizzly bears. I've hunted black bears plenty and been in other parts of the mountains where, you know, there's black bears, but to me, they're just, you know, wild Labradors. All they care about is their tummy. Um, so I started researching. And then as soon as I found out, I drew the tag, I went down to the local sports store and bought a, a Glock, um, model 20 and 10 mil, um, because I had read that that was, you know, kind of the go-to and weighed my options there. And I did a whole bunch of research, um, or at least information look up online and everything. I, I listened to as many podcasts as I could. Um, you know, I think you had done a podcast on, on some bear stuff that that was helpful um i know uh james nash with six ranch did a podcast that i got some useful information out of um even you know, honestly i think meat eater did a youtube thing uh with clay newcomb and and had some tips about like practicing with your sidearm and and everything and one of the biggest things that that now in hindsight helped me was that i practiced as much as i could i couldn't find any ammo I got one box of ammo when I bought the gun and that's all I had except for up to two weeks before I left, I was able to buy two other boxes to kind of practice with. So prior to this trip, I think I shot the gun maybe 30 times, but I did a bunch of like drawing practice and, you know, practicing, bringing my gun up and getting the sights and then, and then just dry fire practice basically. And I think, being comfortable with my holster and getting the gun up quickly is, is partly what saved my tail. So. That's, that's interesting. Just practicing dry firing. I think that there's a lot to, a lot to be said with that. Yeah. Like when I get into it, part of the thing of, of what really saved me is 
as soon as we heard, you know, heard the bear, like the next thing I knew I was standing there with my pistol in my right hand and my bow in my left hand. And I, I can't, I can't remember me drawing the gun and really? I'll attribute that to, yeah, I'll attribute that to that. I just practiced enough of it. I, I, I've got video, um, you know, selfie video of me practicing. Cause I, I use video to, to like, uh, for when I shoot my bow to kind of like watch my form and stuff like that. So I was like, well, I might as well do it with this too. And then I can review how I'm drawing to make sure that I'm, you know, being as efficient as possible. And so I've got video of me practicing and yeah, it's, I, I think that was a big part of it in that, um, from the time I heard the bear to the time she was running away after, after I, I, you know, after she got close to me and I'd hit her a bunch of times, it, it, I don't think two or three seconds had went by. And I, I somehow, you know, had, had the, the gun already drawn and ready to shoot. So it was, uh, it was pretty crazy, but man so, what yeah, a deal prepar- did you preparing have, yeah did you have bear spray no, too yeah yeah i had bear spray so what i was carrying is i had the marsupial gear uh uh, uh bino harness and then i had their soft holster that mounts to the bottom of it that's where my pistol that's where my pistol was mm-hmm. and then i had bear spray on my hip and then my buddy who was with me um didn't have a tag he was just with me more or less for you know, being safety in numbers while bear hunting or, or, or while elk hunting. And, um, he would carry his bear spray in his hand the whole time while he was walking around with me. And then he had his pistol on his chest in the same place. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. He had the, he has, he's got the T and K harness and then had the marsupial gear, um, holster thing on the bottom of that. So, a great system i'm i it was fantastic it worked great but yeah it was uh um i didn't even you know i didn't use my bear spray i didn't have time to even think about it man that's that's crazy that's super crazy well i'm i'm uh, i don't want to say excited to hear but i'm curious to to hear the story and how it unfolded yeah yeah so we were uh you know our trail cunning um, I won't, we, we, the, my, uh, as a side tangent, my friends asked me what I thought of the hunt afterwards. It's like, if it was worth getting the tag again and everything. And it took me five points to get this tag with the special, with the special draw. And, um, I feel like I blew all my money at the fair. And then as soon as I got my toy, the big kid in class came and busted it over his knee. <laughs> uh, I kind of, I kind of want my money back, mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah. that's, I, I did get to hunt. So it was, it was, uh, I think the fourth day, third or fourth day of our hunt. Let's see. The third day of our, no, yeah. Fourth day of our hunt. Yep. And um, we were going into a new area to look for elk. So we were just kind of midday prospecting, if you will. And, um, it was in some of the higher country. So white bark pine and, and spruce, uh, Engelman spruce and, um, pretty rocky and open. So it's those areas where there's little pockets of timber and then small, smaller little opening pockets and some bigger meadows and stuff and, and pretty rolling. So we were just going and, and bugling and, you know, walk into a saddle and bugle down a draw, walk around, bugle into another draw, trying to get something to fire off. Cause this was the 21st of September. 
and uh, what about three or four in the afternoon. And we were just kind of, and uh, just kind of walking into this area um, where there was a small kind of little opening and some dark timber in front of us and stuff like that. And uh, the next thing I know, we hear this loud roar in the trees in front of us and I see some movement and the, the, you know, in hindsight, the movement was the cub running away. And the very next thing I know, this sow is coming out of the trees full speed straight at me. And, you know, th this is all, in, like I said, in a matter of two, three seconds. But the next thing I know is I've got my pistol drawn and my bow in my left hand. I see her coming out of the trees. So I draw my bow, pull up to get my second hand on the gun. And I don't, what I think I felt was that, oh, I'm just going to shoot one at her feet to scare her away. So I shot once. And obviously by then I registered, she's coming at me full speed. So I just tried to, tried to aim center mass and rapid fire as much as I could. And I, and I was backpedaling. Um, the next thing I know, I'm on my ass and I'm rattling off my eighth round, which almost shot my left foot off because as really? I fall back to, um, yeah, as I was falling back, I'm still shooting at the bear while my butt hits the ground and my feet came up and I'm taking one last shot. Well, right at that point, as I'm taking one last shot and my foot comes up, that's when she was on all her weight on her front paws and getting ready to turn away. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I had, you know, this is all happening so fast. So it's kind of hard to know what you did and what you reacted to or what, but I almost felt like I had enough wherewithal to know that, oh crap, my foot's coming up. Don't shoot. And, but I still pulled the trigger and the whole rest of that day, I could feel the percussion on my toes from the muzzle blast. Like it just felt like I, like I got hit with a baseball bat in the foot and you know how you can kind of feel it for hours yeah. later. Yeah, that was, that was kind of freaky. But so as she was coming in and I rattled off basically those seven, those seven times, I can see a wave of fur as the bullets were hitting her. Um, one, you know, in the, in the necropsy afterwards, one shot kind of grazed through her right shoulder and then went and busted her back leg. And then two others went into her chest cavity. Um, as this is happening, my buddy, you know, had his bear spray. So he deploys his bear spray and it was just breezy enough that the spray went out about four feet, he said, and then came right back in his face. Oh. So he, after he, after he realized that that didn't work, he drops the bear spray and and pulls his pistol and pulls up and gets two shots off and that's right as she was stopping and turning so he hit her once broadside or broadside ish as she was kind of right at me starting to turn to her left and then he shot once more as she was running away and missed and then i shot once more as she was running away too um and then i i get up and we start backing away and hollering and and, and everything like that and then i could see her sitting there as we were like maybe a hundred yards away, 80 yards away. And she's still sitting there looking in our direction. So I kind of, at that moment, I was still kind of just in a daze of, of flight or flight, uh, flight or fight, I guess. So I pulled up and I tried to aim as much as I could at, you know, aim as much as I could with a 10 mil pistol at a hundred yards and send mm -hmm. one. And I shot once more, I, I shot once more in her direction and she just kind of like looked up in the sky, like, what was that? And then, got down on all fours and 
as she got down on all fours and started to kind of walk slowly into the trees where she came from, I could tell, you know, her head was down and stuff. And I was like, man, I think she's pretty hurt. And then as we were backing up further and making a bunch of noise, I could hear what I, I now know is the death moan. Um, the two black bears I'd killed before with my bow never did a death moan, but I'd heard enough on TV where I was like, I'm pretty sure that's a death moan. I'm pretty sure she's dying, but we're not going to stick around and find out. So we ended up, you know, uh, looping back kind of the way we came to get back to this meadow and then, which was just a few hundred yards away. And then we were about a mile away from our truck, but luckily we could stay in the meadow that whole mile back to our truck and, uh, had to stop and try and wash the, get my buddy to pull his contacts out and then try and wash the pepper, pepper spray off his face as much as we could, which we later found out people said water makes it worse, but what do you know? Yeah. Know. And what do you, what do you do? <laughs> I guess it's I, it burning your like, eyes. Yeah, he's like, oh, my, my, yeah. He's like, my face is burning. My eyes are burning. I'm like, do you have your contacts in? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, you got to take them out. Well, I should have taken him out because he thinks he had pepper spray all over his hands. Oh. So <laughs> touched his eye. <laughs> yeah. In hindsight, we can laugh about it because it was, it was pretty comical. I, I, of course, I was so fired up with adrenaline. I was, I was pretty goofy. I get, I guess I get goofy when, when, uh, <laughs> when in the high stretch situations. Yeah. And so I'm videoing him as I'm pouring water on his face and laughing. And, you know, we were, we were pretty damn fired up. It was, um, it happened so fast. I didn't have a chance to get scared or to even really register what had happened until I think we were almost back to the truck. And then it kind of, then all of a sudden it, I started to feel like, I don't know if afraid is the right word, but almost scared of like, holy crap, that almost happened. Like, oh my God. And, and then the emotions really started going up like all over the place. But for that 30 minutes, right immediately after I, I, I don't know, I could have maybe dunked a basketball. I, I don't know what I could have done, but yeah, you just uh, <laughs> spiked. Yeah. 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 I guess it's just, it's, it was, it was crazy. And, you know, I, I, I am always kind of retrospectively looking back on a lot of these things and it's like, well, I guess if there's a silver lining out of any of this, my flight or fight response is to fight. And apparently I, I, I can react and, and, you know, cause I, I, I bet if I loaded my gun with eight rounds right now and went back and tried to hit a milk jug, yeah, uh, you know, at six yards, uh, eight times in a row, or, you know, three out of eight shots, I, d- I doubt I could do it. You know, it's not that easy, but somehow I, I at least hit that bear three times. So that saved me because she got it. She came up when she came out of the trees, we later went back in and to, you know, with the, with the authorities to go mm-hmm. through the whole thing. And you know, they're asking me ahead of time what I thought. And I was like, yeah, she came out of the trees at like 30, maybe 35 yards and, and got as close as maybe like 20 yards. And my buddy's looking at me and I'm, and we get done. He's like, Whoa. he goes, I don't know what you're thinking, man, but that was a lot closer than that. I'm like, are you sure? He goes, yeah, I'm pretty sure. So we went back into the authorities. Luckily there was a little skiff of snow on the ground and my bow was still left there on the ground. Cause I, oh. you know, I dropped my bow and started shooting and backpedaling. And then as we're backing up, I'm like, my bow's still down there. And he's like, well, your bow's staying down there. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not going yeah, back. Yeah. Um, but so we were able to go back in and this is probably what helped me with, with the investigation part of it, but there's a little skiff of snow on the ground and our tracks and my bow was still laying there. 
So I'm standing right next to where my bow is. I pull the rangefinder out out from where she came out of the trees, and it was 17 yards away. And she got as and she she ended up as close as three feet from my bow before she turned. And my estimation is from when I was backpedaling and fell on my butt was six yards away as close as she got to me. Man, that's that's wild and 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 scary. like in hindsight it's like oh my gosh i don't know like you know when those situations happened it happened you know obviously in my mind it happened just like real slowly everything really 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 slowed down like i i could recount a lot of those details but it also seemed a lot further away and i got back in there and i started standing next to my bow and looking at the situation and i damn near threw up i got i kind of got sick to my stomach when we were when they were back there i'm like oh my god that was really close like really, really close. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's, I don't know. It's pretty crazy. That's, that is scary. So here's a question with the pistol. Um, did you have one loaded when it was in its holster? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 There was, there, there was no way I was going to be carrying it dry and having to try and take the extra time to rack around. Cause I think it was one of, maybe it was that meat eater YouTube, but they were talking about how, you know, how quickly the bears can, can come on you and you better able, better be able to draw and shoot within like a second or a second and a half or something else like that. Mm -hmm. During my practice, I tested it. I'm like, how, how long is it going to take me to unclip, you know, unclip the harness, pull the, pull the pistol out and get it up ready to shoot. And I could barely do it within a second. So I'm like, I'm going to have, and, and it didn't really ever cross my mind that I would carry the chamber dry, but I thought, you know, like part of me thought about that a little bit. And then I go, no, I, I'm going to have to carry it hot because otherwise I wouldn't have time. And once we got back to that situation, a wildlife file just came back in with us with the wardens and they were going to the situation. The warden's like, Hey, how long, how, how quickly do you think the bear could close this distance from that 17 yards to here? And he's like, Oh, I don't know, a second or less. Oof. So I, from, from the time I, luckily I had had my pistol drawn already by the time she came out of the trees, but like, had I not drawn my weapon until I saw her coming out of the trees, I don't think I could have pulled it out and gotten a shot off before she was at my feet. Man, what a deal. What a deal. So then they went, did you go with them to find the bear? Yeah. Yeah. They were like amazingly cool about the whole thing. Um, and they were very sympathetic, you know, even to the fact where, you know, the warden was like, Hey, listen, you know, this, we have to treat this like a criminal investigation. And he go, and they're like, please don't get mad at me, <laughs> but we have to treat this like a criminal investigation, even though you have a right to protect yourself. And it sounds like you were more within your rights, but we have to go and do our due diligence to like go through this case with a fine tooth comb. So if down the road, somebody, you know, who doesn't think you did a good, you did a right thing by killing this bear, you know, or you protected yourself by killing this bear, they don't bring lawsuits on you and the federal government. So I was like, okay, so they, and yeah, they, they, we loaded up all of our weapons and everything else and went back in there and they were, they were, they had shotguns and pistols and, and everything. And we, we, they allowed us to carry our pistols and bear spray. And we went back in there and didn't know if the bear was dead or not. So we had to go back in there and they had dogs too, which was kind of cool. 
and uh, and then get close. And then luckily we were able to see the bear laying dead in the trees with binoculars. So and then go in there and then they started the whole investigation and went through the necropsy out in the field and everything. It was pretty, pretty cool. So interesting. So what, what did they find in that? Wasn't there something extra that they found there? Yeah. So as they're doing the necropsy there, they found that this bear had been previously shot in through the hindquarters up into the guts with like a smaller caliber round. And within the last three weeks to a month, it, it was still festering. It hadn't even completely wounded yet. So they were like, oh, not only, oh, and the bear, uh, she ended up being about 275 pounds ish. Um, so not a giant sow, but she was roughly 18 to 20 years old. She was old Jeez. and only had one cut and only had one cub. So <laughs> she was, she was very predisposed to not put up with crap from anybody. And they were like, yeah, she would have charged you from 300 yards away if she saw it. So it was this, that was one of those things where I wanted to share this story. It's like, I know the situations for the people who live out there and everything now. And like, we talked to a bunch of locals and, but if you, you know, shoot a bear, uh, please report it. So other poor saps don't have a run in and almost get mauled or killed because you ran into a wounded grizzly. Um, that that's just not cool. So yeah yeah for sure so like i mean big takeaways from it that you want people to know what would you say well for one i I mean i'd still go back and hunt in grizzly country i'm not afraid of them per se um although in this type of situation i don't know i'd probably hire a guide just to have more people and stock and everything around um or at least more people or, or at least local experience of knowing where the bears like to hang out versus where they don't I don't think we did anything wrong as far as where we were or anything else like that. It's just, it happens. Um, but if you are, I, I mean, I would practice and prepare as much as you think you possibly can. And then some more like, um, the, the one federal warden, we asked him what kind of guns they were carrying and the one federal warden he uses is nine mil because he feels he's the most accurate with that. He's like, I want to carry the gun that I'm the most accurate with. Not necessarily having that biggest knockdown power. Um, Because he said what normally happens with most people when a bear charges and they shoot their pistol is since the bear is coming at you, it's essentially kind of running downhill because you have to keep moving your gun down to keep hitting on it. But there's so much recoil that by you get the gun back down, you're always shooting over the back of over the top of the animal. Um, so one, don't get infatuated with bigger is better. Um, get infatuated with being quick and accurate. And then obviously the, you know, all the other information that's out there with, you know, full metal jacket rounds and the, the Buffalo bore rounds or other things like that. Don't use, you know, personal defense rounds, but, um, yeah, that was kind of my biggest takeaway is, is, is like prepare as much as you think you can. Great. So did you guys see any other like tracks or anything like that before this incident? Yeah, we, I mean, we saw bears, we saw scat every day. Um, but it wasn't until that day that we saw some that was super fresh. Um, you know, that you could squish with your boot, like, Whoa, this happened within the last, you know, handful of hours. Um, but even that scat was a mile away from where we encountered this bear. Um, and, uh, 
you know, all the other, all the other sign, you know, and the, uh, the interesting thing is there's a lot of black bears out there too. And so a lot of the other sign we were seeing was black bear sign. And I didn't know that. I just assumed kind of like, uh, I just assumed since there's grizzlies in the area, they wouldn't put up with black bears. And the biologist was like, oh no, yeah, there's, there's just as many black bears as there are grizzlies running around here. It's like half of the sign you see is probably black bear sign. I was like, oh, wow. And then it turned out the next day as we were doing some glassing, we, man, we glassed up a giant uh, boar uh, black bear and he was brown. <laughs> so my buddy immediately thought he was a grizzly at first, but then we looked through the spotter and could definitely tell it was a black bear, not a grizzly. But um, yeah, there was sign everywhere. There was bear scat just all over the place. Man, that's crazy. Um, did you guys end up hunting after that? Did you finish your trip out? Well, so the, the day prior to the bear attack, I had shot and lost a bull. And I just, I don't know how I'm still baffled to this day as to how I didn't recover, how that bull didn't die. Um, so we talked, we're talking with the wardens once we got back to the truck later on that day. And I you know, told him what happened because we were going to go home and, and the one warden was like, no, you can't go home. You got to keep hunting. I wanted to kind of, I kind of wanted to keep hunting. My buddy was like, no, I'm done. I've had enough adventure. I'd like to go home. <laughs> and I'm kind of like, yeah, dude, I understand. I don't want to, <laughs> he, he, my buddy, bless his heart, took a week of unpaid vacation off of work to come with me on this hunt because he didn't want me to go by myself mm-hmm. and, and, or have to hire a guide. He's like, I'll take a week off of work would come with you. So like lesson number one, find yourself friends that will be willing to do that for you. Cause that's yeah. awesome. Um, but so anyway, we, you know, the wardens were like, well, he's like, well, what happened? So I pulled out the arrow and I showed him, we talked through the whole thing of what we did with the elk. And he's like, that elk's gotta be dead. He goes, I would, he goes, what, what drainage? So we showed him and he's like, oh, well go to this spot and, and you got your spotter glass from here. You should be able to look in this drainage from there and just look for buzzards. That was, you know, two, three, two days ago now, you know, those buzzards will be all over it. And it's like, you know, that's a fair point. And that's a safe, mm-hmm. safe spot to, to glass from. So we did that. Well, we see ravens and magpies dumping down in and we're like, I think that's it. So. Um, we called a game warden. He's like, well, see if you can't get up in there and glass and see what's going on there. And he goes, if you think it's in there and you think there's a bear on there, he goes, come back and give me a call. I will come back in with you the next day and we'll scare that bear off and at least get you your, your antlers or, or if any, if there's any meat or whatever. And I was like, oh, that's fantastic. Okay. So we hiked back up in there and got to the opposite side of this drainage, which was, um, had been burned and was open. So we were able, you know, we felt comfortable getting up in there and that's when we glassed up that black bear down beneath us and we were looking in there and, um, saw some bird activity and stuff like that, but couldn't tell, we couldn't see a carcass or anything. So we were like, well, let's just hike out, call the warden and maybe we can go in there tomorrow. Well, as we're hiking out, we bump into a local who, um, who was coming up to hunt for the night and we're like, sorry, we just kind of destroyed this whole basin for you. Cause we were being extra loud the whole time. Um, and mm-hmm. turns out that his son had shot an elk in that exact same spot, uh, on the Saturday prior. So this was Wednesday and he had, they'd shot an elk in that the exact same spot on a Saturday. And as they were, um, 
as they were quartering up that elk, they had got the quarters off and they were dragging the quarters away to go hang them up in a different spot to debone them to get them in the pack. Uh, another grizzly, a grizzly came in and claimed the carcass and they could not scare it off that carcass. They shot and yelled and shot at its direction and everything else. And that it saw, he said, that, he said it was a boar that stood up on the carcass and was like, Nope, screw you guys. This is mine. I ain't mm-hmm. leaving for, so they ended up just, it, it sounded a little weird because they were able to get the head, but they left all the meat. So they weren't able to, they, they said it was too dangerous to like even try and pack up the meat because this was all like 50 yards away. And I'm like, yeah, it's pretty understandable. But so that's, he's like, we're like, where? And he goes up there. And so we compared pins on on X and our pin where we thought my bull was and his pin where his son killed his bull were like 20 yards apart. Oh, man. So we're like, we're like, well, that's that's not my bull. I mean, what are the chances, right? That my bull would run downhill and die within 20 yards of where another one had died? I, I, I doubt it. So we just were like, well, I guess there's our sign. And we packed up and went home. Yeah. Dang it. Well, that's a crazy story. I mean, the whole thing. And like we were talking about before we started recording, you, know, you were saying mm-hmm. after you heard about your deal, there was like a couple guys from Idaho that kind of had something similar happen and then there's Justin's story that we just did a podcast on last week about and there's just a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of interaction going on right now yeah yeah there's there's and then I heard of one other guide uh, incident in Montana and then uh, I think I think in the same unit a guy was actually mauled um, and and uh, and then killed a killed a sow with cubs um, right around right when rifles started in early October. So just within, just within a, like a two or three week period, that's what four. Um, so it's the situations. That's another thing I'd, I'd want to tell people. They go out in those areas around, around Yellowstone or in grizzly country in the lower 48, like it's way worse than, than, uh, the way it, it has been. Um, the bears are getting bolder and bolder and really like, really do are not afraid of people. Um, the, the local we talk bumped into, he said the bears follow him up the trail in the morning and more often than not, even with an archery kill, we'll find them right away. And, and it's just like, it's, it's nuts. Uh, the, the interactions that they have with those bears are on a regular basis. So, yeah, I mean, I, I talked about like a little story about a bear tracking us through the snow. Like we, mm-hmm been looking after this or we had shot out a buck the night before went in the next morning he missed and then we went in the next morning to try to to find him again and this time we went in quite a bit closer well we were on a trail and we took a turn off the trail and uh went up like went along this little i don't know like a canyon rim type thing it was in a big burn we had probably a three or four hundred yard circle maybe took us 30 minutes, 40 minutes to do that, just going slow and glassing. And when we came back to our tracks, there were grizzly tracks on it, and he had been walking down the trail, cut our horse tracks, turned and followed them up. And then who knows what happened after that. I mean, we were on our way out. Um, but, yeah, right. it's following us. It's pretty it's pretty creepy. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things I almost want to talk to some, some of the guides or some of the people who, Alaska and deal with, you know, the bears up there or, or in Canada and see if those bears behave like, like that up there. 
because uh, even the war, one warden we ended up talking to, he's like, oh, yeah, these bears are totally different. They're nothing like Alaska. They're nothing. They, they have a mind of their own and they are not afraid of people at all. Yeah. And, so yeah. so that uh, that podcast that you listened to, did I direct you to the podcast we did with Casey Johnson on bears? I, maybe. I'll, I'll be honest, Jordan. I listened to a whole crap load of them. So yeah, a whole bunch <laughs> I, I might of them. Have, I might have taken I might have taken bits and pieces out of what I learned from the wrong you know from wrong ones, but you know I the, the I will say though the information I picked up that is out there that are on the podcast and stuff like that that information is what you know is is partly of what saved me like because I picked up a lot of the smaller little nuances and details um, that that really really helped me out i mean i I think you could make the the exact same correlation to you know the amounts of little little itsy bits of information you can pick up with podcasts that can help out with hunting i mean i think that's why i listen to so many hunting podcasts is because i always pick up these tiny little bits of information that end up helping me out in the field man well that's that's always been my i guess philosophy on trying to get people on and like get podcasts put out because it doesn't take much it's not like you're gonna get a whole lot of information from one podcast but it's like the little stuff mm-hmm. that you pick up that who knows what could happen which is awesome um but that uh i yeah we did one that was like episode five or six or something like that i need to i actually might even attach it to the story um sure. but so casey is from cody uh he guides in alaska as well and so we talked about any guides in cody so we he has yeah, a good idea that- yeah so yeah, we, we I think that is, that. I think that is the one of them that I listened to. Yeah, I think it is. I, I recall that situation where it was, a uh, where, you know, yeah, somebody from Wyoming, but guided in Alaska and it dealt with bears a lot. Yeah. That, that does sound familiar. Yeah, man. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming on and, and talking. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if, uh, if people who listen to this recognize who I am, um, you know, you can get a hold of me directly, but don't, don't broadcast it. This still is an open investigation. So, um, I can't say my name or who I am and all that jazz, but. All right, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the story and learned a bit from this podcast. I did a review, just like I said, later on in the episode, I did a podcast early on in the podcast history. It was like episode five or six with Casey Johnson talking about grizzly, uh, just hunting in grizzly country in general episode will be linked down in the show notes go check that out and yeah hope you enjoyed it we'll talk to you on the next one